Welcome to Open the Word. I'm Beth, and here again today with my lovely friend Libby. Um, you know, Libby, you told just a portion of your story, but it was it was a very um, a hard journey when it happened, and again to um, to journey through it on our last podcast together. But I am so thankful that, as always, this is who I've known you to be forever. You are willing to share your heart and to share God's faithfulness in the midst. And so I thank you for coming back to the table today, listener. I am so thankful that you're here. I don't know your story, dear listener, but this is what I know just because of the circle of influence that we have and that we are a part of. There is someone that you know who has journeyed through and we we do invite you to share Libby's journey with them. Um, if it would help them to navigate these unchartered waters for them, this, as, as Libby called it in her last time together, the cyclone, <laughs> where sometimes everything's spinning, and, and yet sometimes you find yourself right there in the eye of the storm. And that's where calm is, right? Yes, yes. That's where peace is envelops you even though everything around you is is not peaceful and so uh here we are again today and um Libby I'm just going to let you continue with your journey and since I've been around you know a few decades with you I know that the journey from the start to um to the finish line here on this earth, because it's not over yet. Right. We have all of eternity. However, from from the very start, these two friends who met on the Kent State campus so many decades ago, uh, the journey through marriage and then the journey through death, um, it, it's a beautiful love story all the way through, but not an easy story. No, no, not at all. And Beth, you do know pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. You probably just don't know the stuff that I've forgotten. (laughs) And isn't it beautiful, though, that there are things that that God, I believe, takes away from our memory banks. He allows us to put truly put that stuff away because it doesn't matter anymore. But it was lovely. And I'm going to be just intermingling past with with present uh, because that's just how life works. Mm -hmm. But it is so lovely to think about when Mike and I would intentionally talk about our past and how far God had blessed us to come. And I'm telling you what, how beautiful it is to get to the point where with your husband where you love just intentionally talking about stuff mm-hmm. together and doing hard stuff together and knowing that this is so worth it. Like, we don't even know what the outcome's going to be, but we know it's going to be worth it because God, that mm-hmm. really is it. And I know that nobody is thinking that I'm saying Mike was perfect. He'd be the first one to say he wasn't. He'd, he would claim imperfection more than he should because he was truly the most humble man I had ever known. Was he always that way? No way. (laughs) And so to look back, to see that journey, to see the transformation in my precious husband, 
incredible. And then for us to be able to talk about that with each other, for us to take road trips together. And I remember uh, I, I met him at school. We left a car there. We took one car. He had just finished an in-service. And he talked the whole time about what he had learned about himself through that in-service, mm-hmm. like when he was a child. And I, at first I thought, oh, one of those, let's go back to when you were a kid. But when he talked about it, I'm like, no, this is for real. This really impacted him in a good, good way that he could see how what he was today was so much a direct result of what he was as a child. And that can be good, bad, ugly, but it's never indifferent. It always has an impact. And just to hear him lay that out before me and then apologize for the way he had been and and for me to be able to say, no apology necessary. This is so cool just to be able to continue to learn about who we are. Of course, ultimately in Christ, but I think we need to kind of learn who we are, who we were outside of Christ to fully, fully uh, be in love with God and and who he made you to be, and to know how to love well. Um, Yeah, those were just wonderful, wonderful um, epiphany moments. And so I'm so thankful for that. I always will be. I, I felt like Mike did too. Like we talked about this before he died, and he didn't know he was dying. So this is all very... You know, it's not from the perspective of, oh, I'm not going to be here much longer. Let's talk about this Mm -hmm. stuff. No, we didn't know. So this is what I want to say to the listeners. You don't know. So talk. Start talking. It may be hard, but talk. Talk. And, And here's what you may need to decide to do. Ask yourself the question, how badly do I want this to work and to be good and to be godly? And the answer to that will determine how much you're going to do. So I guess if you're not going to take those risky steps and do these things, then the tough question for you is, how badly do I want it? Mm. Maybe I don't. Because really, you're only in control of your obedience. And you have to look at your disobedience. Be willing to first. And believe me, I'm speaking to myself. This is an ongoing thing. You know, in the first podcast we had together about this, Beth, you ended on the sweet passage from John 15 about abiding in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I remember writing a note down, and I love this. So listener, I'm throwing this out to you to, to ponder. You know, we get we get really caught up in, oh, I don't want to sin. How do I not sin? I don't want to sin. I keep doing that sin. How do I not? Well, here's a note for you. The opposite of sinning isn't not sinning. I'm going to repeat that. The opposite of sinning isn't not sinning. It is abiding in Jesus. You abide in Jesus, you will be walking further and further away from sin. Oh, but anyway... Um, so I just thought I would share some um, notes that I had jotted down soon after Mike's passing. And know this about me. I am not a journaler. I don't think I've even wanted to be a journaler. <laughs> but, but I love it when I see people journal, and I love reading it and hearing about it and having them share. And I'm like, 
oh, I wish I could do that. But here I am, over 65 years old, and it still hasn't happened. So anyway, I, but I do write a lot of bullet point notes. And so some of these I just want to share. I hate every aspect of not having Mike with me. And keep in mind, I wrote these pretty soon after he died. I hate, underline, capitalize, every aspect of not having Mike with me. And as far as I know, I will never not hate it. But I love how God is with me, how he is providing and guiding and caring and loving and everything. I love what I'm learning. One of the things I also struggled with in all of this, and I, and I take all of this before the Lord, was did I make Mike an idol? Like, it, it, is my perspective toward him that of an idol? Took it before the Lord. And I've never heard the Lord speak audibly to me, but oh my goodness, scripture that he brings to my mind, or just this, this deep uh, leaning into my heart where he said, no, <laughs> you and Mike were one. And, you know, the, the word cleaving, as we cleave as husband and wife, means pretty much glued together. And when you separate that, nobody comes out unscathed. Nobody. Nobody comes out unscathed, unripped, undamaged. And so it's the same with widowhood. That has been literally torn away from me. My husband literally torn away from me. And as I said in, in, in the first episode, it's all under the sovereignty of our good, good Father God. How do those two, how do those two things even, even line up? Mm-hmm. A lot of it we will not understand in this lifetime. And Beth, what God was really showing me and continues to show me is my faith and trust can never be in another person can't even be in my understanding of things. It can't be in a vaccine or a treatment for COVID or not being vaxxed or whatever, whatever, whatever. My faith and trust must always be in my sovereign, good, good God who is in control of everything. Mm -hmm. And again, the only control I have is my obedience And included in that is how I respond. I control my response. And what I'm learning, too, is the more I obey, the more I lean in and trust, it's still very hard. It's still very sad. I still get mad. I still lament. I still throw things out to God. I don't throw things at him. I'm (laughs) thankful for that. But, oh, my goodness, I love him more and more and more. And you think you love him as much as you possibly can. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. You just keep taking, taking baby steps to love him even more and to be so thankful of the little that you're in control of and the much that he is in control over. And will I know this, this side of heaven? Probably not. And that's okay. I want to read you something from a book that I pulled out. Uh, an old one, When God Doesn't Make Sense by Dr. James Dobson. So as you can see, I ripped out my name that I'd written in the book because I had this ready to go to the thrift store. And I opened it up and I started reading it. And I'm like, oh goodness, I need to read this mm-hmm. book. <laughs> so now I've written all over it. And it, oh, 
to me, again, that is the goodness of God to lead me to that bookshelf and say, hey, just look through some of these things. And I did. Okay, just read this. And I, and I did. So this is taken directly from the book. How can he, meaning God, explain within our human limitations that our agony is necessary, that it does have a purpose, that there are answers to the tragedies of life? I wonder if God anticipates the day when he can make us understand what was occurring in our time of trial. I wonder if he broods over our sorrows. Mm. And honestly, that is where God brought me. I am lamenting with you. I am so sad for you. I'm collecting all of your tears. And God puts himself in a position all the time where he could be the bad guy. He could be, we could look at him as the bad guy in so many things, and he allows us to do that. He, he like, he could say, gosh, I don't, I don't want Libby to not love me, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to take her husband. That would be so mean. How could I do that? No, no, no. That's not the God I want. If he chooses to take my husband, then let it be so. And I want to be able to say that over everything. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Job. And, um, oh my goodness, do I have it all figured out? No, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I don't. But I'm thankful that I know the one who does. And nothing catches him by surprise. And, and my son Darian was so good. Again, in the days following Mike's death, his dad's death, and my son at the time was 26 years old, much too young mm-hmm. to lose a daddy. Mm-hmm. And he'd lost his um, father-in-law, <laughs> future father-in-law, four years before that. And so his wife and he were just way too young to lose both daddies, both wonderful, wonderful men. But Darian said, we need to remember Psalm 139. All my days were written for me in your book of life for me, Lord. They were ordained for me. And he said, every one of our days is going to come to pass before we pass. Right. And my grieving son just had that perspective to help us all. We've just helped each other. My kids have just been amazing. Mm -hmm. And I remember crying out to the Lord and just saying, oh, Lord, you know how deep my grief is. And I grieve for my kids. Oh, I can't imagine. Please help them, help them. And I would just cry and cry and pray and pray. And not long after that, each one of them, each one of them separately, not together, (laughs) contacted me and said, Mom, I know you know we're grieving. I'm grieving. But I'm grieving so much more for you. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I just had this prayer with God over you guys. I said the same thing to God. And it was as if in that moment we were giving each other permission to say, just grieve, Mm -hmm. grieve. Grieve the way you're led to grieve, and don't worry about each other. And I remember at the very beginning, Beth, I told you this. My prayer was, Lord, help me to grieve well, because I don't know how to do this. And I just want to do it well, because to not do it well affects me, and it affects everybody I come in contact Mm -hmm. with. And I still want to be about giving glory to God. And how? what better way can we do that than grieving well? Mm -hmm. 
suffering well. Um, yeah. So uh, I know I'm kind of rambling here. Well, I'm going to interject. Yes. Because <laughs> I believe you told me that on your porch the morning that he oh, died. Oh, golly. That's right. And, you know, over the course of the days to come, the weeks, the months, you you were put in position to help others grieve well by the way you were grieving. I mean, his calling hours, you were a comfort to many. And so that is not to give glory to Libby. It's to give glory to Christ in Libby because she was abiding. And Mm. that's what I saw you know, when the first phone call came, when you said, you know, Mike's not responding and uh, I'm going to call and call 911 and have them check. And then, you know, the next call and the next call. And, and then when the text came that he's gone, you, you continued, you know what, Libby, you continued to, to set your eyes on things above while living here in the midst of the things of this earth. Mm-hmm. Your perspective of knowing that, Mike, you didn't lose him. You mm. knew exactly where he was. Mm. He was in the arms of his heavenly father. I remember saying to you, you finished well. And you and Mike did. You didn't know it was the finish line for Mike. Right. You finished right. so beautifully. But for you... The race continues. The journey continues. Mm -hmm. And so I sit from my perspective, and I know you are still in the midst of this grief process, and I think it will be a lifetime. However, it will change through the course of of that lifetime. But your witness to the testimony of, of the truth of God's word in knowing that he is with you every step, that is how you are gifting Mm -hmm. And allowing others to grieve well. So thank you. Thank you for your example. Well, I appreciate those words, Beth. I really do. And honestly, when I think back to, to that time, which I've told the Lord over and over again, oh, thank you for getting us through it. Never want to relive right, that. Right. But it it is as if you're existing in a different dimension. And I do remember one of the comforting things in a weird way was recognizing how many people came through calling hours or the funeral or anything. And I recognized they're not grieving for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are, Mm -hmm. but they're grieving for themselves. And that was a beautiful thing because it was a testimony to Mike's legacy and his life. And you're right, Beth. When I look at especially the last year we had together, it was a banner year. We did things as a family, and Mike and I did things together that we didn't necessarily plan. They just kind of came to us, opportunities that came to us that we were able to take advantage of, like that those days we spent at the country house <laughs> at, at our favorite beachy place. And um, some people go to the beach. You went to the beaches, right? I sure did. (laughs) At at Beth's and Brian's generous offer. It was incredible. We'll never stop talking about that. And then we got to go again for a couple days this, this past summer, just a little while ago. 
And it was hard because Mike wasn't there with us. But it was healing. It was so healing. And I'm so thankful to you and Brian for just allowing that place of refuge for us. We did not know how badly we needed it. And um, it was truly wonderful. Uh, Another uh, just little note I wrote down. I feel as if I spend a million minutes reliving every moment of our lives together, right through the devastating end of our journey, our journey. Everywhere I look, he lingers. Mm -hmm. And you know what? This many months later, that's not so hard, but it's still true. Mm -hmm. It's still true. And even in the little things like, oh, do I choose to keep doing this? Do I not? Like, I got to mow the grass, but... Do I have to weed eat? <laughs> I haven't done it yet. Um, or even how much longer it takes me to do things, like figuring out the water softener. How much salt do I put in there? How? Just those little things that can be so devastating and then further make me recognize what a team we were. You know, when you're such a great team and you lose the better half of your team, um, And he would say that about me. God bless him. Gosh, how do you pick up and and go on from there? And there have been times where I've told the Lord many times, I I don't want to live without Mike. That's just plain and simple. Don't want to go on without him. I don't. And yet I know that's what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So again, help me take the next step. Put it within me, all that you want me to do, whatever, whatever. Here's another quote that I have loved Uh, I'm not sure how to say this person's name. Marcel Proust, maybe? We are healed of a suffering only by experiencing it in full. Mm. We are healed of a suffering only by experiencing it in full. And then just a a clever little saying that I thought of is just, you can only heal what you feel. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I... I had to, from the very beginning, know that I was allowing God to remove every pretense, um, every ounce of hypocrisy that I was possibly putting on, like, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, I'm not. This sucks. I'm not good. Mm. I don't want to live without Mike. And I don't know how to even envision life without Mike. So these are all very, very real, real things. And, and I just remember writing down, and this was fact, and Beth, you know this. When Mike and I first got married, and for quite a while, he wasn't what I wanted. Mm. He wasn't. And, and listeners, this could lead into a whole other thing. And it's a story worth telling uh, for another time. But I am probably the only bride who stood at the back of the church, ready to go up to meet her future husband, thinking, what am I doing here? I I don't want to be here. What am I doing here? But too proud to run out. But looking back and looking at what we were able to do by the grace of God, so glad I walked that aisle. So glad when I think about what I wouldn't have had I not walked that aisle. And I believe I wouldn't have the relationship with God that I have now. Oh, there's so many things I could envision. Um, But anyway, he wasn't what I wanted, but he was what I needed. And I didn't even know it at the time. Didn't know it for a long time. And then he became what I wanted. 
not because he changed so much, which he did, but more because God transformed both of us on the daily. And I could write that pretty soon after Mike died. And I love it that we can lament, we can write down our our lamentations, and if we're willing, they can allow us to break out in a doxology of praise. God lives in our laments. He's right there with us. And then he helps us to just journey into that praise where he also lives. And I, I just remember kind of a turning point where tears would stream down my face and I recognized that these are no longer just tears of sadness and sorrow. They are. <laughs> but along with them are tears of joy and gratitude and thanksgiving that I don't even know if I can put into words. It's just like that groaning of the Spirit within you and also the joy of the Lord that abides mm-hmm. in you. And it's a lovely, lovely thing. And, and for the longest time, way, longest time in my life, <laughs> I've prayed, Lord, I want to know the fullness of who you are. The fullness of who you are. Well, Libby, are you ready, ready mm-hmm. for that? Mm-hmm. You want to know me in my sufferings? means you're going to suffer. You want to know me in, uh, in, in my wrath? It means that you're going to go through times where you're going to need a little wrath. Uh, you really want to know the fullness of who I am? Yes, Lord, yes, I do. And um, topping all of that all off, though, and permeating it all is, I love you with an everlasting love. And so again, something I said in the first episode, and I'll say it again, if we're going to learn more about the love of God, we have to abide in God and his word. Mm-hmm. Or we will be taken captive by the empty philosophies of this world, Colossians 2.8. And we will become prisoner to our subjective definition of love, of tolerance, of... It, you, you fill in the blank. If you're not abiding in God, and make sure it's the God of the Bible and his word, then ultimately you will be taken down. Libby, thank you so much. Um, hearing more of your story is um, delightfully hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, as, as you and I have talked about before, it's the, it's the coming together of the desolation and the consolation. Yes. And it's a beautiful thing. And your final words today remind me of John chapter 8, um, where Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And as one who has walked this journey with you for the past eight months, coming up on eight months, I know that your abiding is what has led you to a deeper knowing. And the truth, truly, is setting you free to tell your story, to grieve without apology, but to give thanks in, not for, but in all circumstances, because you know, without a doubt, you can trust the will of God for your life, and you don't want it any other way but to be in the center of his will. That's the eye of the storm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So thank you again for coming to the table 
for sharing this hard story and yet knowing that many others are going through uh, a similar storm. All of your stories are different. Oh, but listener, the answer is the same. Open the word. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from Modern Farmhouse to transitional design. Then meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.